स्मार्ट मीडिया Welcome to the Nation State of Play podcast. I'm your host Brian Miller. On each episode, we explore the political stories that are driving public policy in California. We explore these stories with political insiders, business leaders, journalists, and policymakers themselves. to get below the surface of the headlines and show you the true forces shaping our nation state. Well, thanks for listening today. We have a really interesting episode. Our guest is Cami Peer with Common Sense Media. Uh this is an issue I w- I wanted to talk about relates to how to regulate social media companies and particularly the things that they do to addict minors to social media applications and Common Sense Media led an unsuccessful fight this session, but I expect them to be back next session. on really some groundbreaking legislation that would create liability for the addictive features in social media when they create harm to minors. Now that that bill just went down in the notorious uh, suspense file process that we do annually here in California and it can helps us look behind the scenes as to what was really driving the politics of that hoops fighting it, how the bill died at least this year in suspense. and how they hope to bring it back next year on on something that I really think California needs to be a leader on. So really interesting conversation. Uh stay with us coming up right after this. Kim and Peer with Comments and Smoothie. American democracy is good, but we can make it better. The National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers includes organizations across the country that are working right now to build a better democracy by opening primaries, implementing safe, secure voting systems, reducing corruption, and increasing transparency. Listen to our weekly podcast, How to Win Friends and Save the Republic, to hear the latest updates from the democracy reform space. Subscribe and learn more about us at nonpartisanreformers.org. Welcome back to the Nation State of Play podcast. Well, Cami, thanks so much for being here today. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. So, I I'm sorry that we're talking about this bill after it has gone down for the session. Um this is a struck me as a tremendously important bill and I assume we're going to keep at it. So, we we wanted to have you on the show to talk about what it would have done, hopefully what it can do going forward and um but before we get into the details of it, I want to just ask you for just a little bit about your organization and what you focus on at a high level. Yeah, sure. So, I am our state policy associate here in California. Common Sense Media is a nationwide organization. Um in about I think 2010, uh we emerged as kind of an early and leading voice in supporting kids' digital well-being. So, we were the first nonprofit to basically uh show up and tell tech companies to stop tracking our kids' data. Um and I'm continuing our advocacy efforts in California. um supporting bills and supporting our federal laws across the country in support of kids privacy and uh kids protections. Okay, so let's talk about uh AB 2408. What would the bill have done? Right. So it's a pretty simple bill. It's a product liability bill in essence. Um it makes it unlawful for social media giants. So basically the TikToks, the Snapchats, um the meta which is both Instagram and Facebook um it makes it unlawful for them to addict kids um with their products 
So it doesn't apply to any content on these platforms. Uh, it focuses on the design features they're using to manipulate and harm children. Um, these are things like the auto scroll. So you're scrolling through videos and another video just keeps popping up um, for hours and hours. Um, push notifications, luring children onto apps. Um, and then something called Snapchat streaks, which is uh, known to be a social pressure for kids um, to get on Snapchat over and over. Um, the bill uh, says if a company is negligently or knowingly causing addiction and harm to a minor, um, then public prosecutors have grounds to hold them liable. So uh, under the bill, a uh, family would need to prove both addiction uh, and harm. Um, so this is something like uh, a family showing that they had mental health visits for their child who um, was suffering from an eating disorder uh, due to the content um, that was being pushed towards them on, a, on an app. Um, could be medical treatments for even uh, worse case scenarios where a child is, is um, you know, struggling through self-harm. Um, so there is a liability portion of the bill that provides platforms with kind of a grace period to react to this ban of their features, um, to get rid of those harmful design features in a timely manner. Um, so they can, you know, react and make their platform safe. Uh, we want to just set those guardrails. In, in terms of the damages under the bill, can you explain more about how that works? Would it be confined to only actual damages for particular plaintiffs, or would there be other damages that either the state could seek or maybe punitive damages, things along those lines? Yes. So the liability under this um, is for the largest social media companies, and it is uh, for public prosecutors, the AG um, and others to um, work with families empower them to actually stand up to tech giants. So there are still, um, you know, uh, suits that are going on from, you know, private entities and with families. And um, those are still um, completely viable and, and going through. And then this is just adding that extra support for families. I, I want to talk more about how addiction works on social media. Is there a difference in your mind about how these addictive developments impact children versus adults? I know the bill is focused on, on minors, but is it really any different based on what age you're on? Yeah, I mean, we, we know that for a fact based on Meta, then Facebook um, internal research that was shared last year in Francis Haugen's Whistleblow, um, that they know that their, their platforms are uh, disproportionately affecting children. Um, they are more vulnerable to these kind of features. They're more, more vulnerable to the uh, mental health implications. Um, Instagram shared that they make body image worse for one in three girls. Um, how do they do that? It's a large part in the notifications, luring girls in, and the auto scroll that I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, kids are basically at the whim of, uh, of the neuroscientists hired by these, these platforms. Um, you know, social media is not innately harmful, um, just like consuming alcohol or driving a vehicle aren't, um, the issue is extreme dangerous usage with children, which children are more uh, vulnerable to. So, you know, we have rules and laws to prevent harm to consumers of alcohol or drivers. Um, 
you know, that's why you have to be 21 years of age to drink. You need to try to pass a driving test. Um, so this bill, you know, says it brings in government and parents to have the ability to regulate um, protections on social media apps, just like we have protections for children um, with other kinds of products. Um, so, you know, these protections are proven um, to address uh, features that have serious mental health issues um, and are devastating families. How does addiction defined under the bill? Because um, it strikes me as that that's a word that, I, I mean, I, I've, I've heard that medical definition of this that I, that I thought was really interesting about um, sort of needing increasing levels of dopamine release to get back to the same baseline levels of, of dopamine. Um, I, I, but I, but I, I think the word can be used loosely in different contexts. So, so how, does, how does the bill define? Right. So um, it kind of uh, sets up a few definitions. So addicted means to knowingly or negligently cause addiction. Um, and then addiction is defined as um, the preoccupation or obsession with um, a product um, that leads to withdrawals or difficulty to cease or reduce use. Um, and then this addiction also proves um, to cause mental, physical, emotional, or developmental harms to a user. Okay. So um, this bill was was victim to, to the, uh, the, the annual event we, we call the suspense file here in, in California, which is sort of a backdoor veto process we have in the legislature. I think most of our listeners are familiar with it, but, but why, why don't we make sure we, we just get it out there uh, since, it's, since it's timely this, this time of year. Can, can you explain exactly what happened the other night to the bill? Right. So last week, um, you know, what we saw were uh, social media companies putting their bottom line over the wellness of children. Um, using their deep pockets, their political sway, uh, to make sure that California laws benefit them. Um, so, you know, last week, 2408 was their number one bill to kill. They put every worse resource they had into lobbying against it. Um, you know, and, and this decision fell on Senator uh, Portentino, the chair of the Appropriations Committee, who, you know, decided to hold the bill, you know, um, decided inaction uh, was was the best way forward. Um, Common Sense believes that, you know, California families deserve a reason uh, behind holding the bill. Um, right now, the decision seems to lean heavily toward that Senator Portentino was protecting corporate interests over children's health. Uh, simple as that. So case in point, why we need bills like 2408 to actually rein in these social media companies so they don't have free reign over overall children's psyche. Did he offer any public explanation for holding the bill? He did not. So one of the things I appreciate about your advocacy on this is you, you've been willing to call him out by name here. I, th I think um, we're yeah, often too hesitant to do that in, in Sacramento and politics generally, which I think creates sort of a culture of non-accountability. I understand the reasons people are afraid to do it. Um, but, uh, but, but that's one of the reasons we asked you on the show is I, I thought you, you guys have been bold here and saying that there's a problem with this process here. And we, we've had other guests on totally different topics talking about the, the, um, the strange suspense file. And let me just dwell on that process for a, a little bit. Um, can, can you, can you uh, explain why this is such a 
strangely undemocratic vehicle that exists. I mean, I, I assume you're generally against this process, not not just this process on this particular bill. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, like you said, democratic process, it seems to kind of hinder legislative integrity almost. Um, this is a process where hundreds of bills are um, very quickly sped through um, with two decisions. They're either held or moved forward um, to um, whatever the assembly or Senate floor. Um, it's all the decisions happen behind closed doors. You know, even advocates that are very closely tied to bills are, you know, struggling to find time to speak with important uh, legislators like Senator Portantino. And we had the same issue this year. Um, and, and you're right, it happens every year. <laughs> so, um, you know, we are, um, Definitely looking for ways to to engage more in this process, um, and and hoping that uh, this doesn't you know continue to happen. I assume you've met with Senator Portantino and your or your lobbying team has. What what does he say about this bill when you talk to him? Um, you know he has he has a young daughter. Um, he was very open to the idea of the bill when we met with him. I think it was in uh, late June. Um, in person. It was um, a great conversation. We had uh, Common Sense, Children's Advocacy Institute, um, a youth-led organization called the Log Off Movement. Uh, Log Off Movement. We all met with him. Um, the conversation seemed to go great. Um, so we're, you know, confused and, and, and curious as to why uh, that sentiment seemed to change. So you were surprised that it did make it out of suspense? So you were led to believe otherwise? Um, not that we were led to believe otherwise, I think getting closer to suspense, we weren't getting any feedback. So we, we knew that there were concerns. So let's make sure we get all the company's names out that are fighting this on the other side. Uh, cause, cause I want to make sure everybody understands the politics. The, the most, the, the question we like to ask most on this podcast is why is this happening? And you've, and you've articulated Meta and I think a few others, but, but who, who's in that coalition fighting you on this um, beyond Meta, Facebook, I assume Twitter, I assume TikTok, I assume the whole, the whole crowd. Yeah, the whole crowd. Twitter is actually not considered a social media platform under this bill. Um, mm -hmm. It's more of an information sharing resource, I think is what it's considered as. Um, so these are mostly the, the platforms that are um, actively used by children, uh, teens. Um, so yeah, these... Uh, these platforms, along with a lot of a lot of other tech industry leaders, have a trade association known as TechNet. Um, TechNet is the face of our opposition. Uh, they are the ones lobbying, meeting with legislators, um, attending certain tech retreats in Napa the week before approps. Which right I'm about sorry. that. Right. <laughs> we can maybe talk about that. Um, so TechNet is the voice of opposition. Um, they argue that this bill infringes on First Amendment rights. Um, this is not true at all. AB 20408, as I said, does nothing to limit content. Um, it simply bans the use of specific addictive app features that internal research has shown are the leading causes of addiction. Um, it's funny, their opposition, the executive of TechNet just flat out threatened to ban young people from their apps um, if this bill were to pass. Um, we see this as a total bluff. 
Uh, I mean, can you imagine Snapchat or TikTok banning over a third of their users? I mean, it's not well, this is viable. like them spreading to ban political ads, you know, political yeah, yeah, I mean, was, yeah. We we know that money is all they care about at the end, um, right. not kids. So I, I want to ask you about a related issue um, beyond addiction, which is, um, uh, although I think closely linked, which is sort of the alarming rise of attention deficit disorders and mm-hmm. the linkage back to social media. Um, because there's, there's actually a lot of data now that uh, ADD actually is becoming more prevalent um, in large part because these social media, and there's a lot of other reasons as well. There's nutritional issues, there's, there's environmental issues as well. Um, but um, is that something your organization has looked at, tackled, um, been focused on at all? Um, you know, I'm sure that we have engaged with this um, a fair amount on our education side. Um, we create a lot of resources for families, for teachers um, related to, um, you know, digital literacy, um, being a, a digital citizen, um, even creating curriculum on that front. Um, but this is definitely something that we could increase our engagement in. I, for one, see it in my niece and nephew, you know, every day. This is um, a growing problem in young people where they are constantly being fed stimulus after stimulus to the point where, you know, they're, they're numb. <laughs> yeah. They're really, yeah. And, and it strikes me that these features are specifically designed to break your attention. I mean, that, that's, kind of, that's kind of the premise, right? It's, it's a very quick hit, a few seconds before you can even focus on that, you move on. And um, I, I think it was James Clear who wrote uh, attention is a habit. And, and that, that really struck me as it's, mm. it's something that you can, um, you can either harness and you can practice it and become better at it, or you can become weaker at it. Um, but I think adults are vulnerable to that too. I, I see this not, not just with children. I mean, it, it can happen to all of us, um, particularly when a lot of bills are moving around and I'm scrolling Twitter to find out the latest news. And uh, Yeah, doom scrolling is our adult version. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we all have it. And it's, it's a bad time to start it at a young age. So, so what's next for, for the bill or these issues generally, whether it be this bill or something else, where does the fight go from here? Right. So, you know, unfortunately, Senator Portentino killed any legislative chance of uh, kids and families being protected uh, this year in this legislative session, which ends the end of August. Um, We see a path forward still next year, um, especially because monumental bills like this, they can take multiple years. Um, You know, we we've completed the first stage of of bringing awareness to this problem, um, you know, shedding light. Um, we've done that across California nationwide. Um, you know, I don't know about you, but I can think about how many headlines, news stories, conversations, um, I've heard on this subject just this year. Um, so it's really gaining momentum. Um, I think AB 2408 laid the groundwork, uh, for this lasting conversation on tech and social media policy. Um, we've informed and engaged so many people, families becoming more aware, um, and they're seeking change. So, uh, next steps for us is bringing this bill back next year in full form. Um, it's empowering families to engage more, um, to tell their legislators why their kids, their nieces and nephews, their grandchildren need this. Um, and we want to support that. 
so do you, do you plan to take this message into Senator Portentino's district and, and let his constituents know that he killed his brother? Uh, yes, we were uh, definitely chatting with them quite a bit before Senate appropriations, and we plan to keep that conversation going. So, so we, uh, I'll say we've invited TechNet on to talk about this issue and some others. They have not accepted our invites. If, if anyone's listening from TechNet, welcome you back to put your side of this on. Um, maybe Cami would be willing to come back on for a debate. Um, but maybe that's what, maybe that's what she was thinking. Let's, let's just, let's just uh, re-extend that invite. And because uh, we do want to hear all sides of this, but, but I, you know, I've, we've had some other guests on talking about issues in this space and, and it just strikes me that California has a, a unique role in dealing with a lot of issues related to social media. And, and we've had like the news publishers association on talking about some of the issues with um, social media companies taking their content and not paying for it. Totally, totally different topic, but but the, the link, I think, is these are California companies, by and large, almost all of them. And I think we have a special role here, therefore, in California um, to tackle this stuff. And if we don't, eventually, eventually the feds are going to tackle it on terms that people are going to like even less. Um, and I think it's really important that we, we get ahead. So, so Kim, I, I'm grateful for what you're doing on this. Sorry the bill failed, but as you say, big things take several years in California. And I do think you did a great job of raising awareness of it. And we certainly would welcome back anytime you want to give us an update on what you're working on in this space. And if people want to find out more about your organization, get involved with your work, where, where should they go? Yeah, so definitely check out our uh, Common Sense Media website. We have uh, kind of three different segments for um, uh, educators, um, for parents and families, and then for advocates. So check out our advocacy page for more information on, on what we're doing next year. Great. Well, thanks so much for being on today. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much. We invite you to share ideas for guests, ask questions, and leave comments. You can find us at neptuneops.com. Follow us and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts as we continue to explore the insights and stories driving California politics. This is the Nation State of Play podcast. I'm your host, Brian Miller, and thank you for listening. Olas Media.